You're listening to Sweet Society presented by Sweet 929. All guests appear courtesy of Tech We Like. Chuck Holiday here bringing you into season two after a successful season one. I want to definitely thank everyone for listening across the world. I mean, tens of thousands of streams. I am completely, completely grateful and, and blessed and just honored that people tuned in to listen to these episodes of essentially me with a bottle of wine talking to guests every month about their journeys, entrepreneurship, various things like that. I'm very much appreciated. My guest today is no stranger to PR in the New York City area, event planning as well as TV production. I consider her a compadre, colleague, a friend. Ladies and gentlemen, Michelle Pascal. How are you doing, Michelle? Appreciate you being hey. on. Hey, Chuck. How are you? <laughs> I'm good in yourself. I am excellent. Thank you so much for thinking of me, you know, to do this. You always got good ass energy and I love it. I love every minute of it. <laughs> I appreciate you doing this. I don't take anything for granted for real. I don't I don't take this for granted. Yeah, no, it's it's great. It's great. I know we um haven't spoken in a while, but uh, we um connected a few weeks ago, and you said, you know what, I'm coming back with this, you know, new season, and I want to have you on. I'm like, sure, why not? I know I normally don't do a lot of um podcasts, but I'm trying to get you know to using my voice more, you know. So I interview people, but I'm never the one being interviewed. As with my job, you know, what I'm saying I'm getting interviews for folks, but I'm never the one being you know put on the chopping block or to talk about myself, et cetera. So this is exciting. It's it's all cool. I, I usually don't do these either. <laughs> as we as we under you know, as I just learned. Yeah, yeah, uh, I'm doing this podcast. Basically nobody else would host this, so essentially I'm hosting this is by the default. Thing, right? It's just yeah, no, podcast is the you know, it's not it's not new, but it's just a place for people to, you know, lend their voice, lend their expertise, talk about their talents and just be, you know figured out or discovered or whatever the case is. people want to have conversations so and for me this works right. because when i launched sweet 929 i had always kind of vowed i would never really appear on camera and there's just plenty of mm -hmm. people you know like it's 12 years going on i believe it's 12 years now i've not appeared <laughs> on camera and you know i think it will remain that way moving forward but that's where it's at they say like you have to you know it's nothing but to just record put the stuff on youtube and you know that's where the money's at that's where the money resides if you want to monetize right so they say you know but i understand because i too have my podcast and i haven't been all i've done is audio i just find that it's just i don't know audio is just great i just like audio yeah i mean honestly there's a ton of talent on the brand right now you have soko styles that's the 10 year old um fashion mogul has her own accessories branch she's a world traveler um, she has her show on there as well, 10 years old. Then you have Jennifer Michelle with Everyday Runway. You have Elena with just Elena doing her thing. So I, I don't, this ton of, <laughs> like, there's a ton of talent. Gotcha. Okay. You know, on. You don't on have to be the, the, yeah, you don't have to be the P. Diddy of the. Um, yeah, exactly, the exactly. Okay. I hear you. I Definitely. Hear I'm you. excited to have you on because there's so much I want to catch up with you about. And, you know, to the listeners mm -hmm. who are listening in, you know, people who are not really familiar with how New York operates, especially my international uh, listeners. New York is really a white and blue collar town. Like it all through and through, through all of the bright lights, 
it's a blue collar town, it's a white collar town. And as for services like for PR, event planning, things like that, you know, you have really forged your own path in this, mm -hmm. you know, coming from Brooklyn, you know, I got to do that. But what drew you into public relations and just the, the publicity side of these things? Because it, it's really something that it, it's a it's a thankless gig to navigate in. <laughs> you know, you've launched your firm, and what really was the turning point for you to really get into this whole thing of public relations and just everything related to it? Well, it happened many, many moons ago. I won't date myself, but um, I started off. <laughs> I started off doing um, event planning, and the oh, firm okay. that was yeah, the firm that I was working for, the agency I was working for for at the time, they were called Noel Elaine Media, and they did events and PR. But I wasn't um, brought in. I started as an intern, and I wasn't. I didn't go in for that sort of internship. I went in, and they put me in the events department. So I was like, great. I wasn't like a astute writer, you know, I was just like, you know, I just want to be, for me, I just wanted to be in an event space, um, entertainment space, doing all the things. And I said, okay, I'll go into the event, you know, event side of things. And that afforded me to travel the world and learned about just producing stage events. So whether it be award shows, um, conferences, that was really their background. We did a lot of exciting stuff and PR didn't come till much, much later. So my real um, entry point into this game or into this field was through event planning and producing great events literally all over the world. Like they've taken me to Africa and back, the Caribbean, and um, so that's where it got started. And I think later, maybe after I left the um, the company and decided to go off on my own, that's when the PR, um, the public relations um, bug hit me because people were just asking me to do different things. And I was like, but that's just not my area. I do events. You know, people were asking for marketing. I said, that's not my area. I do events. And my other goal was to move to LA. I was just like, I'm going to move to LA. I want to do, I want to keep the production bug going on. I want to do, you know, I want to be do TV. I want to produce, I want to, I want to produce a film or two, you know, things of that nature. But somehow, well, not somehow, 9-11 happened and nobody was going anywhere. So yeah, that year- yeah, that year I was going to move to LA and just, you know, do that kind of thing. Just go where the wind takes me. And, you know, I didn't have any real family out there. They might have been a friend or two, but no one that I really knew. So it probably been a couch surfing situation. But my mom was like, no, we don't know what the world's turning into. So let's let's put that on hold. So, yeah. And in between time, I decided to leave the job I was at with the event planning firm for a number of reasons and wanted to go off my own. And the PR bug just kept something just kept tapping at me like, you know, that's what you're going to do. That's what you're going to do. So, and, that's wow, I did not know that. Started. I really didn't know that. And disclaimer, you know, my myself and Michelle have worked together in events and PR and production as well. In fact, I think that was one of the first things that we worked on. I think you had brought mm -hmm. me in on a on a production project. Yeah. And then, you know, it just so happens you were publicist as well. Well, yeah, exactly. That was one of the things because that was the, the, the production side of me. I wanted to do TV. I wanted to produce some sort of documentary, some sort of, you know, and I think, you know, I've met you through another friend doing photography situation, but then you told me that you did also, you know, t you had some TV background and filming background. I was like, okay, let's try. Let's see what I can do, you know, <laughs> wet behind the ears. Um, but the PR people just, no, 
well, I tried. <laughs> no, look, you did your thing for real. I think a lot of people have this perception that production is kind of like, you know, kind of like how people envisioned it back in the 80s. You know, I think it's very creative. You know, people who are creatives by default usually thrive in production. And I, I think you did a great job given the circumstances and the assignment that was at hand. You know, I don't think there's any way I would have done that by myself mm -hmm. at all. <laughs> Let's be for real. Mm -hmm. You know, look, for the record, I'm an Emmy Award winning yeah, producer. So. It is no way I would have finished that assignment by myself. Sorry. It's just. <laughs> I mean, it just didn't take off. It didn't go anywhere, but. You know what? Sometimes <laughs> those are the best ones because you learn a lot from those for real. And you can apply that to the next journey that you get into and things like that. I mean, they all benefit everything benefits yeah yeah i mean i'll say okay you're right you're right i'll give you that i'll give you that it's just you know we were like i said i was green and i wanted to you know i had a certain um vision in my head and the subject we had had a vision in their head and it just was like okay we'll just keep filming until we get something but you know looking back on you getting into pr from event planning did you think that would be an easy or did you feel that that would be an easy transition not at all again going back to that because i wasn't um a great writer and to do pr that is one of the things you definitely have to have great communication skills and great writing skills and that just was never a strong suit of mine so i would say that that sort of hindered me a little bit in like starting i had that one foot in one foot out but because they were people asking me to help them with certain things and I did have the know-how, I did have, I did know people um, in the industry and in media, I had that, that like to stand on, right? But when it came to writing, I just had a nervous itch about it. Like, oh my God, I have to write this press release. How long does it have to be? Am I saying the right things? And that sort of, you know, hindered me, but I was going to do it on my own. So I, I left the, the, um, the firm that I was at doing events. And funny enough, when I left, I picked up, I think, two clients that were all independent, you know, just, you know, help me out, write my bios, do these things. I'm like, okay, one was a producer, a film producer, and the other one was a designer. So I was doing that and just doing, you know, the bare minimum stuff because I didn't have, no one knew me as a publicist. People knew me in the event space. Yeah. So oh, wow. I, yeah, I took that and said, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to put, I'm just going to go all in. I'm going to start this company. And the, the film director, film producer, he made me do this. He was just like, Michelle, you're just going to, and that's another thing. I just started my company rogue. I was like, here's my $150. I'm going to register my name, send this joint to Albany. And they're going to send me this, say that I'm, you know, signed, sealed, and delivered. I didn't do all the paperwork. I just went in and said, I'm going to start Map Unlimited and just go. So it really was hard. It, in a sense, it wasn't like people didn't know me for PR. So who, who, you know, what kind of clients did I have? What was my, um, you know, leads to get into the industry? I just went for it. But the good thing was that the firm that I previously were at, they also hired me and somehow they wanted me to do PR for something. I was like, okay, I'll try that. And it started to like, I started to like it. I started to see like results. I'm like, okay, I get it. I'm getting this hits in this magazine. I'm getting this hit on TV. I was like, okay, there might be something here. Don't shy away from this too soon. Don't just, you know, hold tight and see what's going on. And the industry at that time, I'm going to say PR industry wasn't as hard because everybody was hungry for content. Although people are hungry for content now, it's different. Back then I can, you know, call a TV station and say, okay, I have this person, I have this designer, but he's fresh and he's new. Nobody was look checking for a Colombian designer, you know, Afro-Colombian designer back then. So that that was that was a gig. 
um, with the film guy. There were there, there were a lot of black films being made, but at the same time, it's still fresh and it's new. So when you have stuff that's new, it's not so hard. And then you had a small pool of um, media outlets to go to because you had the vibes, you had you know your source, you had all the black niche um, media areas that you can just kind of hone on to and, and make friends with the contacts there. Today, people are coming in and out. The people that were there yesterday are not there today. Editors are gone. So back then it was just a little bit different, but the culture was different. People were hungry for things and people called you back. You can pitch a story. I mean, it did not say that it happened overnight, but it just felt, it wasn't easy, but it just felt like okay, I'm doing something new. I'm doing something fresh. They want the, this content and I can, you know, pitch. Yeah. And I think the dialogue level was better back then. I mean, you touched on that with the communication levels, mm -hmm. you know, you know, a lot of these editors and, you know, people that are in the content creator space, they feel like they're the bigger stars than the people that they're writing for or they're covering. Oh yeah. And it's, in itself. That's crazy. Yeah. So everybody's, everybody's an influencer. Um, so you have to pitch to them, you have to talk to their managers. So even if I have a, a client, if I have a client that I want to get on their platform, it's like, okay, how much I'll do it for this amount and I'm only doing two posts. Okay, great. What is that going to do? You know, so, exactly. It's a lot of that, you know, so it's the culture has changed the plat, everything has, you know, and PR is not just social. I like old school PR. I like, you know, I like to see my clients in a in a hard, you know, in a in a story in a magazine. I want to touch feel that. I want to see them on TV. Social is great and I'm not not going to knock it because it's taken us very far, but it's a mixed bag. So now when people come to me for PR and they're like, "Oh, do you do social?" I'm like, "That's not just it. There's a whole strategy that has to be built before we just do only so. If that's all you want, that's great. That's fine because there's some, you know, some brands that can just um, you know, catapult and build off of that. That's great. But there are brands that are just not known that you need a little bit more massaging. You need, you know, what's the story? What's, you know, this PR um, game, I like to call it. It's about storytelling. I got to tell, I got to either make up stories or embellish. I won't say make up, but I have to embellish and stretch and give people, because people want to feel, they want to feel a brand. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it reminds, look, I remember when I became a photographer way back in, 2002 maybe 2003 I, I want to say it was it was somewhere right I was using my real name at the time you know and I look I remember connecting with um Tamara well Tamara Walker was my first publicist for the you know first few years and stuff and at the time we needed each other more than anything else she needed a client I needed a mouthpiece to speak for me so you know she was she was great in a sense I remember one time I was going to an event that she was she had me come to an event and you know she presented me um as i walked in you know i had just came from my my house in brooklyn and, and the projects and the projects but the way that she presented me at that event she literally says yeah he he, he just he just got off a flight you know and, and he's here and you know he's here, he's ready to network and i'm thinking to myself i just came from the projects <laughs> Listen, she that that was her building your story and building your brand. That was her saying, okay, he's in demand, he's here, but he's coming from other parts of the world doing God knows what. And she didn't have to even go into those details. She just said what she, she had didn't. to say. And she that just, she led with that. So now people are going to look at her like, okay, I want to know more. She literally took me from a random photographer, you know, with a camera from CompUSA, 
to shooting catalog work in less than four months. You know, I'm still to this day stunned at how she did it. Just the presentation, well, she kind of crafted a story out of what I already had and just enhanced it. You know, it's it's just crazy. Like it's 21 years and I'm still that just in awe of how she presented me in my first real year of photography where I barely even knew what ISO and f-stop was. Yeah, building that narrative. And back then again, like I said, it was just a little bit easier because it wasn't about the photographer. It's not, a, you know, now photographers are a dime a dozen. Everybody's a photographer. And then uh -huh. the famous ones, they're busy and they need to, especially the black ones, they need to get paid more than they, you know, than they do. Yeah. Um, I agree. But back then, it was just like a pool of photographers. You knew your people. Like I could always call on. There was like a handful of people I can call to cover my event. You know what I mean? It's like, okay, as long as we have this person, that person in the house, we're good. We're covered by all the outlets that we deem, you know, respectful and, you know, that our clients would want. Now there's so many and everybody is like famous or everybody needs to be on this. You want to be on Getty. You want to be here. You want to be there. It's like, oh my God is just so the net is so much wider now so what she did back then was put you in a in a spot where you were going to be sought after because you were you were you were a diamond in the rough you were one of you know you were one in a little pool and they go okay gotcha i got chuck i got this one i got that one as long as i see them on the carpet we're straight it was a strategic roster of behind the scenes people myself um she had another photographer champion hamilton who was real good at what he did and then through even just those connections, I was able to bring in, you know, this guy, this scrappy photography guy from nice. the Bronx at the time. We looking at him like, okay, he eventually became my business partner, who was Jason L. Anderson, you know, co-owner of G-Style and uh, Tech We Like. We're going to segue, though, into, like, you're doing fashion now. You mentioned your fashion designer client earlier. Yeah, so fashion. You're doing a lot up. of stuff, a lot of creative stuff. Yeah, I know he just dealt with a setback he's recently. Doing, he's doing and, well. You know, yeah, definitely, you know, keeping well. him in good spirits, man, yeah. because that's that's nothing to, you know, kind yeah, of play Edwin around with. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Colombian designer out of Harlem. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, he just dealt, like you said, a setback over Christmas, big flood. Yeah, yeah, he's, he, he's gonna come back from that. He's gonna be good. Yeah, money. we didn't. Yeah, we didn't show. We're not showing this season because you know it's just like it takes a lot of time to build back up, and you need. Mm -hmm. You know, he lost a lot. Has to pay. You know, his um, seamstress and his workers and all that. So we just did a store last week. We did a store op reopening. We unveiled the windows, but he is you know carving out his. He's a custom designer, so it's not like he has stuff just like out there. Yeah, he he makes the order made to order and people are loving that so he has a certain clientele that comes to him his biggest season or his biggest time frame is like prom season um weddings he does men's suits like to die for oh yeah um, so yeah. yeah chris Collins raves yeah. about him like yep and i've done really raves about him oh good and i've been working with him again he was one of my first clients that i picked up through another lawyer friend of mine and he's like a brother to me <laughs> It's a lot of work, it's a lot of work. You know, it's, it's crazy because Chris mentioned, shout out to Chris Colley. Chris mentioned to me, I'm going to go check out this designer. I'm going to the show and like, yes, yeah, it's, it's this show, it's, it's on the block. And I'm saying, oh, okay, on the block. He says, no, like for real, it's on the block. It's outside. I, I couldn't come <laughs> at the time. I was, I was in Charlotte at the time, so I, I obviously couldn't attend. But then, you know, I, it was not only him, but you know, he sent me the designer some other people 
And as soon as I saw the name, I said, oh, that's Michelle's guy. So, of course, he's going, who's oh, Michelle? Yeah. And I'm saying, Michelle Pascal, it's my, it's my people's. You know, and he's yeah, like, yeah, man, you got to come to the show, man. Oh. You got to come. This It's on the block. He took over the streets twice. We took over 125th Street at the State Building last uh-huh. season. And then before that, we took over right in front of his atelier. We just did the whole thing on the street, like the whole block, the whole sidewalk just took that over. And it was just really beautiful. And he's all about the community, too. So he really wants everybody. You know, Fashion Week can be like a very um, segregated thing if you don't know. <sighs> Um, so it's one of those things where he just wants everybody to be involved. So the community was really happy to have him and they, you know, definitely gave him love and all that good stuff. So, what, but it's all this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know, for, for people who, and I, again, I know everybody's familiar with the fashion show, so to speak. And yeah, I'm a little bit familiar. You know, I've been in working, you know, fashion week for a number of years, probably what, 15, 16. But what goes into a fashion presentation? Because that's what they technically are technically presentations and especially something that is not indoors so you're open to all of the elements and you're exposed to the elements yeah they're they're presentations you know as well as this being in the heart of new york city you know you're you're trying to plan Mm -hmm, it mm -hmm. you know like you're playing it indoors but you still got to deal with the outdoors element of this you know did any (laughs) like did the the spirit of just the outside part of new york play a role in pulling this off absolutely absolutely um it takes a lot to put on a show of course the large shows are always sponsored by you know um the top liquor brands or um business brands or whatever have you but sometimes with a a brand like ours with a smaller brand you may not get that sponsorship but you still want to show you still want to have a good presentation so for me I have to sort of wear two hats we do have a producer that does the show but because I know both ends and I work well with the our show producer and our um our our producers and the person that does all the technicalities of the thing, I'm able to put my input because I know what the client wants because he's like a brother to me and I know exactly what things should look like. So besides um, Edwin or the designer doing what they do to get that, the collection together, it's all the backs and, you know, of course, where we're going to do it, how many people are going to come, the seating, like, what is this, what are we, what are we trying to say? Like, what, what, what message are we trying to present here? So once he gives us what his theme is for the year or what have you then we go and we backtrack and be like okay this is what this is going to look like this is what we're going to have then i have to either try to get sponsors so that's you know i wear that hat as well i kind of switch my uh, my title from being his publicist to now his communications director because that takes a lot too i don't want you know it's just not about sending out a press release it's also about you know telling his story like you know he's been in the game for so long he's he's although he's known he's still not well known so it's like what does that look like and how do we continue to have his message and keep continue being covered because sometimes you know you may not get that covered so it's always for me I feel like I'm on pins and needles when sometimes when um, Fashion Week comes around, I'm like, okay, who's going to come? Who's going to come? And they all show up. People show up and it's really a good time. But it takes a lot production wise, depending if we're going to do it outside, um, if we're going to do it on the inside, if we're going to, if we don't have a space, what are we going to do? You know what I mean? The model selection. I don't, yeah, I don't do with model selections. I let them handle that. (laughs) You know, I will say this as a small business well, you know, I guess my fashion brand, well, it's accessories, but it's kind of along the same lines in terms of, it's still fashion to a degree. But I will say this, I think the smaller brands, yeah. or I'm sorry, let's call it, 
the indie brands have the better fan base, at least to me. It, you know, it's a rabid following, you know? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, especially because of the shows. Usually you have people there who want to be there, you know, just to support the person that's behind it. And, um, right. you know, sometimes you really can't recreate that on a bigger show. You know, you'll see these bigger shows, but you know, sometimes some of these people there, they don't even know who they're there to see anyway. Right, right. Or they're just, or they're just there for the fanfare at all because they were able to get a seat. Because not everybody can get to every show, right? So in the past, exactly. when it used to be, you know, Mercedes um, Fashion Week at the tents, when we used to call yeah, them the tents, yeah. you know, th those were like that was major. If you got in there, then you you made it. Basically, you've made it. And then as things started to grow and more designers started to to be birthed people started to do in their own shows. So it was like, okay, you're at the tents, but then there's something happening at this studio, that studio, this studio. Or if you had a shop or an atelier, you would do it, you know, in-house. And that's what has happened now. You can produce or have a show during this season and still, like you just said, still have your following because those are the ones that are gonna come see you. Those are the ones that are gonna come purchase. So Fashion Week has become now larger than life People don't know where to go anymore. Like even the, the the strict fashion week where it's in the calendar and all that good stuff. People are like, well, I want to go see this indie designer because he, you know, he's doing great things or whatever the case may be. So you're basically all over the city for the next five days if you're in that, you know, in that light. I used to go to a lot of shows and I haven't done that in quite some time, but you can be uptown, downtown. Um, you know, sometimes people are doing it in their homes if they have a nice brownstone. It's yeah. just become a different thing because it's, and it's not, and also with that being said, Fashion Week has changed in what it really is because now everybody's a designer, you know, so it, it has, it's, yeah. to me, it's like, yeah. it's a, you know, it's like a scale. It's like, okay, there's great things going on, but then at the same time, everybody's doing a show. Everybody's a designer. Everybody wants to put on a t-shirt. <laughs> you know, I think that's the beauty about New York is that, you know, look, people, people support, you know, and, and people for the most part weed out, you know, stuff that's fugazi out here. And But the one thing I will say, and, and this is near and dear to my heart <laughs> as a New Yorker, New Yorkers support indie designers. Always have, always will. But just the fashion industry in general in New York, it has just always been that way. Look, from my time covering Fashion Week all these years, as well as from the front row, which airs on Sweet 929 and is going into season five, mm -hmm. you know, we've covered big name designers. Um, but honestly speaking, the majority of the traffic and the majority <laughs> of the feedback and kind of the traction and, and just in general, the overall just um, everything really comes from the segments and interviews with the smaller indie designers. You know, I had an event here in Charlotte like about four years ago and you know, it was cool. It was for me, Lifestyle Collection, my brand. And you know, I'm grateful Alton Lane, I believe they provided a space. In terms of the, the event itself, I only invited maybe about 25 to 30 people, my publicist at the time. You know, we have only, it was maybe 25 to 30 people. I don't even think it was that many. You know, you're looking at this going, okay, this is a light crowd, small joint, you know, stuff like that. I, I cleared a thousand dollars in sales instantly in, in 90 minutes, you know, selling. And I didn't even have three ounces. I didn't even have large bottles of, of cologne at the time. I only had one ounces. I was clearing, I cleared a thousand dollars literally wow. in 90 minutes off of 20 to 25 people. 
You know, it's one of those things where, you know, when you look, when you're doing something and you invite people out, people are going to support. They're going to support. Granted, look, I know that, you know, you're going to always put on for them, you know, and it's not even really because he's your client, but it's because you see that work, you know, you see the hard work. You look, we see the hard work from the outside. I mean, when I think of that name, I instantly think of that right, show in Harlem. Right. You got to make your mark. You got to put a stamp out there. You got to give them something to remember. And we knew that if he took over the streets of Harlem and made it that large, larger than life, whether his designs, whatever you thought about it, you were going to know because at 125th Street, the state building, come on now. We had a drone. We had like people. And then when you're like letting people in, but then people are stopping by and like, what's going on? And they can't come in supply and demand right people you know the, you get in FOMO you want to know you want to so we had of course our guests on the inside but then we had people walking by just standing around that's the best kind of marketing and PR you want you know what I'm saying so when those photos were taken and we put that into a book and put that you know and tell that so it's like you can say you know thousands of people you know stopped by attended the show because it was whether you were inside or on the outskirts that's an amazing picture, you know, aerial view to see that your show was coveted or looked upon or people attended. That's just amazing. And he was so thrilled and so happy that it was just like, and we didn't know, if, and you never know how it's going to turn out. You never know if you're going to pull it off. It's always like, okay, the designs are there, but you just never know. Again, elements, it could rain, it could do whatever. You never know what's going to happen with the Outshout show, number one, but you're never going to know if people are going to come because we're competing with so many other shows downtown that we were like, who's going to come uptown? Who's going to come to 125th Street? But guess what? They did. They did. We, every seat was filled. Every seat was filled. Yeah. You know, you're doing these type of events and you have these type of demanding clients. You know, let's call it what it is. This is a <laughs> thankless job. You know, it's really a thankless job. Uh, PR. Sometimes you don't really get the recognition yeah. that you should get. You know, most of the time, you know, you you get it in other ways, but boy, it, it's just a trial. You know, it's one of those things. It's always on trial. You know, what are some of the things that you're able to do on your downtime to kind of detox or deactivate from this this nonstop grind? You know, it's a high level job. It's a high performing job. There's no margin for error. There's no sleep for the weary. You know, look, I drive my publicist crazy, you know? I drive her crazy. What? I've driven all of my publicists crazy, well, you know? Yeah, no, I, I can say again, for me personally, it, it is a thankless job in a sense because for me, what I do, I do um, beauty, lifestyle, and entertainment, right? So even with my beauty clients, I do a lot of hair care, um, the cream of nature's of the world. I used to do the dark and lovelies of the world. So anything black hair care, skin care, that's where I, you know, where I live and where I thrive. But as I used to say, we're not curing cancer, right? We're not, we're not rocket science. We're not doctors. It's about hair. It's product whatever so it's like you are you're only as good as your last hit so if i got a client in you know on good day good morning america one week or whatever it's like okay hey what's happening next week or if i have three or four clients and like well you just got that person on this show what about can we do that there's it's not a one size fit all kind of situation you know so this job can stress you out because you're always hanging on to that last thing you did and of course you internally want to do me personally. I want to do well. I don't want to flop, but at the same time, 
it's not one size fit all. So it's not, I can't always recreate, <laughs> recreate that thing the second time around, maybe twice, maybe twice, but lightning <laughs> sometimes does not strike three times in the same spot. So for me, it's just like this, it became, I remember a couple, I want to say about seven years ago, I literally was so stressed out over this job that I contemplated like leaving it completely. And that's why I would think I was stretching out, checking in to see what if I could do production and doing TV and film and stuff like that. And my blood pressure was like skyrocketing. It was just, I had headaches. It was just really bad. And where I work or cause I used to, I, as although I'm MAPA limited and I'm independent, I used to also freelance at another firm because, you know, it's just good always to be in the know. And I was there for about six years, two days a week doing Absolutely. thing and getting all the hits and doing all the great things. But it just started to wear me out, like really wear me out. And I remember telling the person, you know, the boss at the time, I was like, well, I have to go to the doctor because I, um, I'm not feeling well and a doctor wants to put like this monitor on me to check my blood pressure to see how I act out during the day. Like, you know, when is it spike? When is it low? Whatever. And she looked at me, she was like, what for? Like, huh? Like she didn't understand that. And of course she wasn't a black person. So I was like, you know what? I don't, I don't got time. Wow. <laughs> I don't got time for this. Like, I'm not going to die doing this. It's something that I love. <laughs> yes, but I'm not going to die doing this. So I think after, and the funny thing is I stayed as long as I could. I went away on a vacation because I do take my vacation. So that's one of the things I do. I never, um, there's not a year that goes by that I don't go away. Like literally when I go away, I shut off. And I remember going away and coming back and things felt different. I knew either I had to leave or they were going to fire me. So I didn't know which one it was at the time, but it's like, I think my time is up here because I could just feel the energy in the space. I could, even before I left, I was like, you know what? People are not talking to me the same. We, we, we've worn out our welcome. Everybody, they have worn out their welcome with me and I've worn out my welcome with them. And I had to come to terms with that. And I went into the office the next day and I was like, what's up? And they were like, you know what? We're gonna do things, you know, they gave me the little run around. I was like, okay, no worries. I see where this is going. But the day before I had collected all my stuff, I collected all my contacts. I collected all the yeah. things I needed to collect before I left. But that taught me that Michelle, this, this job, this, this beauty PR thing that you love so much, they don't care. Like, and not, and not in a bad way. It's like, okay, on to the next, on to the next. If I leave, there's going to be somebody younger, faster, whatever than me. You know what I mean? So take your talents and use it for good, use it for like, make yourself feel good at the same time. And again, it's, it's a thankless job, it's really stressful because you're always chasing something, you're always pitching and chasing. It's, it's, it's that's, that's the stress out of this job because you're always pitching for that next hit, that next story. It's, I mean, it's basically almost a drug sometimes. You're like, okay, what's next? And, and for me, it's like at night, I'm like, okay, who can I pitch? What story can I come up with? But I have figured out in a, in a sense, how to kind of let that go. And I think the last two years has taught all of us that nothing's promised. You're not, again, Michelle, you're not, yeah. you know, I had to talk to myself like that in third person, Michelle. You're not curing anything, you know, you're not curing any diseases here. This is something people choose to, you choose to look good. You choose to use products, you know, do the best that you can and it's going to be fine. And guess what? It has been fine. It has been fine. So there are people in the industry that know me well, they know what I do and they say, Michelle, good job. So those are the people that know me and that thank me and that refer me, you know what I mean? And it, again, the business has changed. It's like, you know, 
do I want to mm-hmm. do this forever? No, this is a, I always say, this is my motto. This is a young girl's game. This PR thing is running around, tra- chasing editors all over the, ugh, it's tiring. You just have to get yourself a few good, you know, people under your arsenal. That's the next step. You know, once you grow out of this, in a sense, you get people, younger people that want to do this. You teach them. Because that's another thing for me. It's like, I want to teach somebody coming up. This is how we did it. I want you, I want to do strategy. I want to get clients, but I want to teach somebody else to be in the grind and and get that that toughness and how to do this. Because it's not hard, but at the same time, you got to be in the know. You got to be ready. You got to be hungry. You got to... You got to be inquisitive. You got to be curious, you know, to really want to want to do this in this beauty space or any PR space. Because whether you're yeah. doing, you know, crisis management, that's a whole nother thing, you know. So it depends on what PR lane you want to go go into. It takes yeah. a lot to really navigate it well. Get yourself some mentors. Get yourself, a, you know, some sponsors. People to really usher you into it, so you can figure out what lane you want to be in. For sure. Oh yeah. Definitely, oh, definitely. And on top thing. of that, you really gotta understand the clients that you're dealing with. Yeah. You know, a lot of people don't. Some people don't. You know, look, I drop yeah, my posts crazy six to seven <laughs> days a week. Most of the time six days a week, but sometimes seven. But guess what? I mean, hey. Guess what? She allows it's not a bad thing, but she lets you do that, right? She's okay with that. So the door was already open. So if she shifted now and be like, Chuck, do not call me change her hours, you'll kind of see that you're like, wait a minute she's shifting like she needs her space you'll see that because i don't i know now after covid it's okay six o'clock i start winding down fridays i have to do paperwork too for map unlimited my business needs to i have to do stuff you know what i mean i have to prepare myself as well so i have to sort of let clients know this is my hours of operation after hours if we're not doing an event tomorrow the next day or something really you know demanding like that it can wait everything can wait to tomorrow what I do can wait. What I do can wait. So she allowed you to do that for now, but she will. You have to. You have to set boundaries, though. I mean, she's essentially served as my crisis right, manager. Right, and that's what you need. And that for about a good saying. year or two. <laughs> right, crisis management is totally different. If especially is something that's you know high profile and needs attention now, that's definitely something that needs to be on on a timer. It's like, okay. Listen, we got to get this done now. We got to send this release out. But we also as you know, PR professionals, we have to set boundaries because if we let you just, oh, you have an idea. Hey, I have an idea. I want to be on, you know, this. Oh, I have an idea. Like this can go on forever. I'll, first of all, I'll never get work done because you always have an idea. So can we execute? <laughs> we got to execute, right? So that's, I want to be in the planning <laughs> stages. So that's my new, you know, one of the things I'm doing now where I'm shifting my business to be more strategic, you know, do strategy and execution. I want to do more events. I want to, you know, I want to just hire few good men, a few good girls to get this stuff done and do the day-to-day because they need to learn that as well, you know? So that's what I'm shifting to. You know, is there anything else that you see yourself mm-hmm. kind of, you know, delving into, you know, just, you know, I know you've always had an interest in production stuff, you know, covering events, you know, production and, you know, just the management of it yeah, all. Yeah, no, I think I want to, I want to go back. Yeah, I want to go back to doing that. I still have, I have at least two documentaries in me one is you know i got footage just never it's not anywhere it hasn't been you know edited or anything like that just got to do some more work on it um so i would love to do that while i'm growing you know continuing to grow map unlimited the pr side and that i would like to now have the freedom or the time to now look into other 
aspects because there's so many different ways that um, I can make money with the skills that I already know and still under Map Unlimited, of course, but there's partnerships that I would love to get into. Even with the clients that I have, I want to get them brand partnerships. So that's a whole nother hat. So I couldn't be pitching to the media and trying to get the brand sponsorships and the brand partnerships, right? So those are the things I would love to delve into. Yeah, very Because you know, I have a podcast. So I want to, you know, kind of get back into that interviewing my peers and doing kind of what we're doing now, just shooting the breeze, talking the fat, you know, shooting the fat and talking about the industry and where it is. We can talk yeah, about we, it. We, we can talk about over it. Nine nine, for real. Um, but you know, yeah, so yeah, that's I'd, I'd love what I'm looking on. into. So not so much Michelle doing the day to day, but Michelle bringing in new clients, new business strategy, brand partnerships and um getting that other money that that um <laughs> that that other money yeah it, it, yeah. <laughs> yeah so that's one of the things map limited uh... wants to dive into and travel of course you know and you had asked me before like what do i do to wind down like i said i love to travel i make sure i do that um you know at least once or twice a year but, and when I do, I shut everything off. My friends laugh at me because they're posting and they're like, um, you know how you have to, you tag where you are. Nobody ever, unless you are in my circle, you don't know where I am until I come yeah. back. Or, or you'll see me post like Michelle has left the building and somebody, where are you going? Half the, half my friends know where I go every year, but I'm not that one to be posting. Like I've landed, I'm here, wheels up, wheels down. Oh my God. No. Mm-mm. And I shut up. Yeah. yeah, I know a couple of times. Um, for those of you listening, we have mutual friends. I know a couple of times I'll see you know some of our mutual friends posting. You know, you're in a photo somewhere, obviously out of the country, and then I'll see right. you posting until maybe a couple of weeks later. It's a lot of energy. This so, that's another thing. Yeah, this social media been keeping up with the social. Oh, I, I'm love like, I love but it. But I know, and I've learned that too because I've done a lot of um, personal development and. I have, biz- I have a business coach now. I know I have to do the things I have to do to stay relevant and stay in the know. So what was once people referring me a whole lot, sometimes that well has run dry. You know what I mean? So it's like, I really have to do a different kind of work to get the clients that I want that can pay me the retainers that I want. So I know I have to do a little bit of more, you know, shameless plugging and things like this, talking and letting people know who I am and what I do. But I want to do that on my own terms in a sense that not make it so tedious. You know what I'm saying? It, 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 don't make it another job. So, of course, that means, you know, telling people what I want, hiring an intern or a VA or somebody that can get it done quicker than me because I'll sit on it. Like right now, I'm working on my website, as I think I told you. And it's looking great because I'm looking at it right now. It's looking really good. Um, so, you know, so just doing those marketing because what I've done was good. I've done the mar- PR for other people I never focused it on myself because again as we said in the beginning for you I'm not the P. Diddy of this thing I don't have to be dancing and doing all the things I don't have to be front and center but times have changed you have to you know to be an expert people need to see who you are right people need to hear your voice and we have a lot to say um and just become that 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 you know that go-to so that people can call me out and say, Michelle, you want to be on my podcast? Hey, we need a quote from you here. Yeah. It doesn't have to be an everyday thing, but just, you know, little by little, people are like, oh my God, I remember I heard her say that she does X, Y, and Z. Let me call her. I want I want my phone and my, you know, 
emails to start dinging again and people, you know, calling me and doing all the things that I used to do before and getting the clients and everything. So, yeah, I mean, it's one of those things where social media is a tricky thing. You know, I think everybody's, you know, striving for a certain form of, what's the word everybody, relevancy. I hate that word. But as long as you have the relationships, you know, your relationships are well established, then that's all that matters. That's what's going to push you through at the end of the day. You know, not necessarily relevant, blah, I mean, whatever. You can be relevant and irrelevant in a matter of days. You know, I think that's the beauty about New York is that you can be behind the scenes and just kind of you know, just kind of fly under the radar, you're well connected, you know, things like that. You know, you've always been detailed oriented with your objectives and just your direction with the projects you have been part of. And that's that's not because of the fact that I know you, but you know, you you're always very particular about the, the output of your work as well as the presentation. Of your work which is you know a lot of people don't a lot of people can't and say that appreciate that you have to be you know and that's what that i really appreciate you saying that because sometimes you don't know how people and it, not that it should always matter but you never know how people see you you know the outside looking in so for you to say that and you know that really means a lot to me so thank you so much you know i know there was a time where you know i was like man i wish she was my publicist you know what i'm saying and you know look it, it's all cool i'm just grateful that we're able to still maintain a working relationship that that's you know very important yeah you know i appreciate you coming on definitely you know i know you don't do these often you know i don't take anything for granted you know i appreciate all of the hard work that you put in you know your clients you know myself and um you know continued success and continued prosperity thank you so much and i definitely write back at you with all the things you're doing i know you took that candle brand from like you know oof, and now it's doing well and um i wish you all the best in getting back out there and doing what you'd love to do i appreciate it i appreciate it thank you you're welcome you can catch all episodes of sweet society on Apple, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Google, and if you're not into the streaming, on Sweet929.tv. Till next time, it's Chuck Holiday signing off. <laughs>